the Fantasy Football Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I'm Scott Allen. Hi, I'm Des Beeler. And Des, we had a weird week in the NFL thus far, still two games to go, but seven teams without an offensive touchdown today. Three shutouts. There were three shutouts all of last season, five the last two years combined. So potentially some low scores around fantasy leagues this week. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say definitely potentially some low scores, including by the team, uh, my fantasy team that I care about the most, which, you know, I got to I got to hand to those players like they're very synced up. They're very they're very unified as a team. They have great (laughs) weeks together and they have awful weeks together. And I'm going to fall to four and three and four in that league, despite an average margin of victory of about 50 points when I when I do win. It's ridiculous. Well, as we do every Sunday night, we'll take you game by game with the top performers' offensive touchdowns when there were some, yep. um, some waiver wire takeaways and injuries to monitor over the next few days. Let's start with a game that did have some points. One of the better games of the week, the Bills beat the Bucks 30-27. to A big game relatively for Tyrod Taylor, 268 yards passing and 53 on the ground. But the big news in this one for the Bills, LaShawn McCoy finally gets into the end zone not once but twice uh, with 91 yards rushing to go along with it. Yeah, as you mentioned, McCoy had yet to score. You figured that would happen coming out of the buys as good a time as any. You know, he he cemented his RB oneness. Uh, I think it was really only the lack of touchdowns that had made him even sort of questionable in that category. You know, he it, I mean, ninety one yards and twenty three carries is incredible, but it'll certainly get the job done. Seven targets in the passing game, and I think that's something we can continue to look forward uh, look look to going forward because you know who else who else is Tyrod Taylor going to throw to? I mean, the yeah. uh, leading receiver by yardage in this game was Deontay Thompson, who they just picked up off the scrap heap. He was cut by the Bears, which should tell you something. Yeah. He actually had one hundred and seventy yards, one hundred and seven yards receiving, which is pretty good. But I don't think we can look for that in the future. Uh, Jordan Matthews should be their leading receiver. In terms of wide receivers, he's been out with a thumb injury. There was some thought that he might be able to play this week. Didn't go, but he should be back next week. And as a guy, uh, I kind of liked uh, in in, league, in deeper leagues to pick up. And for the Bucks, a huge day for Jameis Winston, who left last week's game with a shoulder injury. There was some question about whether he would be full go. 384 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, Mike Evans had a big day with one of those. And then two of them to O.J. Howard, who is – the Bucks have two – pretty good tight ends. They invested a high draft pick in Howard. They already have Cameron Brait, who is more looked to as the starter and has been the go-to uh, tight end this year. What do you make of Howard's um, kind of breakout game? Is this Could we see more of it, perhaps? <laughs> we could see it maybe two more times this season. We've seen it twice this season. We just yeah. he, there's, no, there's not nearly enough consistency in O.J. Howard to make him any sort of start with confidence guy. I think he will appear in some waiver wires because, you know, he was a first-round pick and maybe this is a sign of things to come, but he's been way too quiet in the games where he hasn't scored. And once again, his touchdown in this game was, I mean, could not possibly have been more wide open down the left (laughs) sideline. I think eventually teams may start figuring out what the heck the Bucs are doing there to get him so open. It was kind of a nifty play. They they went in one direction and threw it back in the other, which can be dangerous sometimes, but not when a guy is that open. Let's move on to the Bears and the Panthers. Chicago won 17-3. They seem to be easing Mitch Trubisky into this NFL 
NFL quarterbacking <laughs> you, thing. You uh, think? Tim Tebow-esque, four for seven. Seven pass attempts, Des, for 107 yards. No fantasy value there. Last week, that meant big news for Jordan Howard, only 65 yards rushing today. The leading receiver for the Bears, Tariq Cohen, one catch for 70 yards. They only had one total completion by a wide receiver. Two defensive touchdowns for Chicago. What to make of this offense going forward? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good offense. It didn't have to be today, and they didn't bother trying. You know, And, and just as a clarification, I think Tim Tebow would, would probably have only completed three of seven passes. <laughs> out there, but he would probably would have ran more. Exactly. Uh, Chicago, I mean, they had two defensive touchdowns of 75 yards or more by rookie safety Eddie Jackson. If you have him in in an IDP league, you're loving it. He was the first player to ever do that, actually, to have defensive touchdowns of 75 yards or more. It's it's a crazy game. Very, you'd have to say, rather fluky. You know, I I just don't, yeah, I don't think we can draw too many conclusions from this. Tariq Cohen, like you said, he had one catch, but it went for 70 yards. So, was that a good game for him? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. He had three targets, wasn't very involved in the rushing game. Cam Newton did not play well. I think we, you know, and I think the Bears are looking like a pretty tough team to play at home. Jonathan Stewart uh, continues to get the ball, even though he's not doesn't do good things with it. Mm-hmm. He had 14 carries. Christian McCaffrey only had seven uh, for 10 yards. McCaffrey again heavily involved in the passing game, but didn't rack up a lot of receiving yards. So I don't know. I, I don't think there's a ton to say about this. It was a bad offensive game for both sides. Speaking of bad offensive numbers, it was a field goal fest in Cleveland where the Titans. Beat the Browns 12 to 9. Ryan Suckup outdid Zane Gonzalez by a field goal. <laughs> For the Titans, Marcus Mariota, I mean, he had that good game last week, but we saw with the hamstring injury, he didn't have that mobility. The question going forward, you know, would that come back? Would that element of his game come back? It's of obviously great value to fantasy owners, and today it didn't. Only one carry uh, for Mariota and 203 yards passing. Yeah, it was it was an ugly game. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser was benched again. Sorry, I guess if we want to talk about the Titans, um, uh, what do we got? <laughs> Delaney Walker. You know, he, he had a good matchup here. The question was whether he would play or not, and he did play, but then apparently he might have suffered a high ankle strain. He came in with a calf injury. Right. The fantasy owners who did start him were rewarded with a pretty good day, seven catches for 63 yards on 10 targets, but he left on crutches. Um, they're going into a bye, so you know we'll see what happens coming out of the bye. But really, really an ugly game all around, just like the one we just talked about. And of course, the Browns being the Browns, it's not enough that Deshaun Kaiser gets benched again, and Duke Johnson doesn't do a whole lot, and the whole team doesn't do a whole lot. But uh, Joe Thomas suffers a triceps injury. This could be a, a season ender for him. It ended an incredible streak of 10,363 consecutive plays over 11 years. Never took a playoff. And then it took something like this, like a potential season-ending injury to knock him out of the lineup. That obviously won't help the Browns offense yeah. one bit. You know, we saw Cody Kessler come in. I mean, he's not the answer to anything except the question of, you know, who ultimately replaced or who replaced Deshaun Kaiser most recently for the Browns. So, good Lord. I think I think a game to forget for all sides. The Saints and the Packers, New Orleans won 26-17 at Lambeau in Brett Hundley's big debut, filling in for, well, replacing Aaron Rodgers, who is out for the year. And, and Hundley did not fare well, 87 yards passing. He salvaged his day a little bit for anyone who took a chance on him with uh, 44 rushing yards and a touchdown. But the big beneficiary, perhaps, for that offense, it probably will be hit and miss going forward. Aaron Jones yep. had his second big game in, in three weeks. Um, 131 yards and a touchdown. Ty Montgomery did next to nothing. Yeah, and then the fi- in the final snap count, at least uh, what I was able to glean online, uh, Jones had 44 snaps to Montgomery's seven. Seven snaps for Ty Montgomery. You know, and, and uh, 
it was a game that the Packers were in pretty much the whole way. We're kind of behind. I mean, you'd think that maybe Montgomery would have been involved more, at least uh, in the passing game. He had he did have uh, nine targets, so I guess he was involved in the passing game. He only caught two of them for a total of one yard, so that's a down performance. But maybe perhaps if you look at the targets, you might say he was a little bit more involved than, than might initially appear. But obviously Aaron Jones looked fantastic. Really looks like he's dominating that, that situation. But as you mentioned, I mean, what's it going to come to if Brett Hundley can't move the offense? Because they're not gonna, just going to trample teams in the future, and teams are certainly yeah. going to stack the box against Jones if Hundley can't prove that he can be better than this. That's right. The leading receiver for the Packers was Martellus Bennett with 17 yards receiving. Yeah, I mean, it's panic time for Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams owners. Let's get to the first of our three shutouts on the day. The Jaguars blanked the Colts 27 to nothing. A big day from Blake Bortles, 330 yards passing and a touchdown. And then with Leonard Fournette out, the big story here, TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory kind of, Ivory doubled him in carries, but Yeldon had the long run, wound up with 122 yards. They both had touchdowns. I'm a little bit surprised. Ivory, we talked about last week, nine catches out of the backfield, zero today. Well, Yeldon, I, I thought going into the season that Yeldon would be the passing downs back in Jacksonville. I um, mean, he obviously looked must have really un, unimpressed, if that's a word, the coaching staff because he was made a healthy scratch in several games. And, and you said Ivory pretty much was the passing down back last week and, and had all sorts of catches. I think you saw today what might be more what you might have expected before the season began if Fournette was going to be out, then Ivory was going to handle the early downs and be the sort of sledgehammer back, and Yeldon was going to handle the passing work. Um, I don't think we can expect a lot of explosive plays from Yeldon. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I think this game makes him a little bit more interesting. I think it certainly should encourage the coaches to put him on the field a little bit more often. And that might chip into Fournette's value when he comes back because he's been such a workhorse for this team. But, you know, I think when Fournette does come back, uh, he'll, he'll slot r- right in again as the team's undisputed top back. And does anything stand out from the Colts? I mean, Frank Gore, 34 yards on the ground. Marlon Mack, 26 yards rushing. A bad game for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I mean, Mac had 32 snaps to Gore's 22. Um, didn't get, only got uh, five carries, which I think is is pretty disappointing. You know, he turned him into 26 yards. That's a pretty healthy average of 5.2, but it's just such a little work. You know, I think that Mac backers and a lot of Colts fans are probably wondering like why he just doesn't get on the, you know, doesn't get more more playing time. Another very disappointing game for T.Y. Hilton. He did get eight targets. If you're trying to look for the bright side, it was clear the team. I think Chuck Pagano, Coach Chuck Pagano, had said something about trying to get, get Hilton the ball a little bit more. They tried. Uh, in fairness, the Jaguars do have arguably the league's toughest pass defense, especially on the perimeter. So I think it was a predictably, it was predictable that Hilton might struggle here. But still, you know, he's had two straight very poor outings, and it looks like a really shaky commodity right now. In London, the Rams beat the Cardinals 33-0, to and the big takeaway here, probably Carson Palmer leaving the game, broken arm, his season, if not his career, is over. Drew Stanton came in, was extremely ineffective. It, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and, and it affected everybody. Adrian Peterson, the big debut last week for the Cardinals, only 11 carries for 21 yards today. How much do you have to downgrade guys like Larry Fitzgerald? I mean, Jerron Brown is a flex play going forward, Des, with Palmer out. I think you have to very heavily downgrade them. I mean, Drew Stanton is a disaster if he's going to be starting quarterback the rest of the way, which Bruce Arians indicated after the game he would be. The other option is Blaine Gabbert, uh, who they signed. Uh, you know, Meanwhile, uh, Gabbert's former teammate, Colin Kaepernick, still out there, just saying. Uh, Palmer's, it, this could be a career ender for him. I mean, he's, he's no spring chicken. It's an, it's not his throwing arm, but you know he, he, prob- he probably will be done for the season. And, uh, yeah, it's a massive, massive downgrade for the Cardinals offense. Guys like Larry Fitzgerald, um, 
can't be seen as more than a, probably a wide receiver three at this point. I mean, Stanton's that bad. John Brown had just started to come into his own. He has one catch on four targets for six yards. He's probably cuttable at this point. Maybe you want to wait a week to see what happens. Jerron Brown had five targets. I mean, it's just the whole offense is going to really struggle from here on out. And like I said, we just saw the revitalization of Adrian Peterson, and then this happens. So, you know, I, I, I think they're going to try to feed him the ball as much as humanly possible the rest of the way, or at least till David Johnson comes back. But yeah. you talk about stacked boxes. I mean, teams are going to be daring the Cardinals to throw at this point. The Dolphins beat the Jets 31-28. to This game saw another quarterback go down, probably not as disastrous to the team it happened to. Jay Cutler leaving this game with a chest injury replaced by Matt Moore, and Matt Moore actually looked pretty good. Led the Dolphins to a comeback win. Jarvis Landry, a big day. Kenny Stills took advantage of Devontae Parker's absence with an ankle injury. Two touchdowns for Stills. What do you make of this offense with Matt Moore going forward? Yeah, I, I think it has a chance to be at least as good as it was under Cutler, who himself was having a, a very good game, actually. He was 12 yeah. of 16 for 138 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. I mean, he was he was playing well, so you, know, you can't put it – you can't be – I don't know. I think I think a lot of Dolphins fans did cheer when they saw Cutler go out of the game. It, like I said, he, he figures to be out a couple of weeks with cracked ribs was the report I saw. A lot of people thought Matt Moore should have been the starter long since. Uh, he played well in 2011 when he was the starter. He's been around that long in Miami during the, uh, the Ryan Tannehill era. You know, I think the big story there is uh, Jarvis Landry just continuing to look like a stud. Like, and I have to admit, Maya Culpa here, I was so wrong about him in the preseason rankings. I looked at last year when they went to more of a run-focused attack yeah. with J.H.I. His targets went, went way down. He's never been a big touchdown guy. So I'm like, well, this is a player who thrives on volume, has a very low per-catch average, has never really gotten in the end zone very often. And if his volume goes down, then what do you have? You know, a wide receiver three at best, but he's been great. And he has TDs in each of the past three games. He has double-digit targets in five of six games. So if he's going to continue to get the volume, and now he's starting to find the end zone, I mean, you know, that, that's a recipe for fantasy goodness right there. I mean, some of it may have to do with Devontae Parker not being around, but even when Parker, I mean, he was he was getting the volume even with Parker there. And like you said, I think Kenny Stills takes much more of a hit when Parker does come back. And you mentioned Ajayi. We've talked about him, you know, week to week. It's mostly been games like this. 77 total yards, no touchdowns for him, outgained by the Jets' Bilal Powell who returned from injury, 83 total yards. The biggest fantasy performer for New York, Josh McCown, three total touchdowns. Robbie Anderson and and Jermaine Curse with a a touchdown catch apiece and not much else. The Vikings beat the Ravens 24-16. Kai Forbath, six field goals for Minnesota. Uh, Latavius Murray, the big Viking performer last week, the last two weeks really, Jarek McKinnon. They split carries pretty evenly again this week, 18 for Murray, 14 for McKinnon. But it was Murray going over 100. And, Des, do you think that Murray may have now flipped this backfield to where he's the number one option? I don't think so just yet. I, I just I can't believe that in one game everything we thought was true about the Vikings' backfield is now not true. We thought Latavius Murray was a bit of a plotter. You know, he rushes. On, he had averages 6.3 yards per carry on 18 carries, gets in the end zone, has a big day. It's not too shocking that he would get in the end zone. I always thought he would find goal line work and he would have his share of scores down the stretch. But Jarek McKinnon had really looked like a far more dynamic player, but not today necessarily. 14 carries for 47 yards. The, the Ravens' rush defense, I think, was a little overstated, although they did get Brandon Williams back, so I think Murray did well to get those yards. But I need to see this one more time before I believe that McKinnon is still not the much better back in fantasy. I, I, you know, I, I think maybe McKinnon might be a little bit of a buy low coming off this because I still think, I think the narrative now will be maybe, oh, Murray's restored order in that backfield because he was thought to be the top back there, whereas I still kind of feel like McKinnon's probably the better talent. Pop quiz, Des, can you name three healthy Ravens wide receivers? 
Oh, Lord. Um, well, I'm looking at some other stats right now. Uh, <laughs> the actually, box score may not help you. No, because... <laughs> you're right. Oh, my God. Uh, I only see Chris Moore and Michael Campanaro on my little sheet Chris Moore. We, we, I talked about Chris Moore last week because yeah. he was the leading receiver. He had a garbage time touchdown today. But, yeah, Michael Campanaro and Griff Whalen with Mike Wallace leading. Griff Whalen. There we go. <laughs> Throwback. Mike Wallace leaving this game with an injury. Jeremy Macklin didn't play. The Ravens offense just remains a mess. You told me last week that this is a bad team. I think I tried to <laughs> cash it as they're, they're an okay team week to week. This yeah. now looks like a bad team. Alex Collins, 10 carries for 30 yards. Buck Allen, 6 for 20. This is a mess going forward. I would stay stay away. Well, the one thing, yeah, it's, it's a disastrous offense. The one thing you can take away on a positive side is if you're, if you're a Buck Allen owner, he got 11 targets, turned them into eight catches for only 29 yards, but those eight catches are gold in PPR. So in a PPR league, I'd still say trot them out there. A lot more scoring in the Cowboys 49ers game, and you were very happy if you were a Ezekiel Elliott owner. I got Zeked. I got Zeked and Dacked. I actually went Oof. up against a guy who had both of them, and that 72-yard touchdown pass to start the third quarter, that kind of stuck a nail in the coffin for yeah. me. Yeah, huge, that's, that's painful. Huge game for Elliott. 147 yards on the ground, that 72-yard touchdown reception that I mentioned. For as long as he's out there, I mean, this is... This is the type of performance that wins weeks and what people were looking for out of them. Yeah, I mean, and this looked more like the 49ers defense from last year. They've been kind of scrappy this season, but this looked more like the god-awful San Francisco defense we saw in, in 2016. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, look, if you want to sell high on him, you sure can do that now. You know, this, this suspension thing, we just we just don't know. No your, your guess is as good as ours. He, he, he could be suspended this week or, or have the suspension upheld. Right. It could be all overturned. No one knows anything at this point, so good luck with that. But I, I would say if you do want to ship him out, it's not a bad idea because you could get – I'm sure somebody out there could, would have stars in their eyes, especially following this performance. And Dak Prescott played pretty well also, 234 yards, three touchdowns. Yep, another mea culpa for me. I did, also downgraded him in the preseason. Yeah. Partly, and you know, I wasn't I the only one who thought this. I thought his six rushing touchdowns from last season had a lot to do with how well he performed in fantasy. I thought he, that was probably unrepeatable. Well, he already has three rushing touchdowns this year, so he could very well exceed last year's total. He's also clearly getting it done through the air. I think... The Zeke suspension could affect him, too. But for all we know, he might have to throw more if, if that happens. So, yeah. you know, he's been a top 10 quarterback, top six, I think, all season. And today certainly didn't change that. And on the other side, the rookie C.J. Beathard got the start for the 49ers. He struggled, not, not a ton of mistakes, but only 235 yards, no passing touchdowns. I picked up a guy I needed a tight end in a pinch, George Kittle, his college teammate at right. Iowa. He was targeted a lot last week. I figured it was a natural match. And one catch for 16 yards today for Kittle. Marquise Goodwin, the leading receiver for the 49ers. Yeah, I think in, in, a, in a game where the 49ers were way behind almost the entire way, pretty disappointing outing for Pierre Garçon. He only had seven targets, five catches, 49 yards. That part you expect, 9.8 yards per catch is about what you expect to see from him, but only five ca only seven targets. Like I would have liked to have seen more there. The other important thing to note is Carlos Hyde, for the second straight week, completely dominated the work over Matt Breida, it's still possible that the 49ers are showcasing Hyde for a trade. They certainly may as well trade him. I mean, they're not going anywhere this season. And, you know, I think his contract is up. So, you know, but as long as he's on the team, it seems like he has reestablished his primacy there. The Steelers beat the Bengals 29-14. to And for the second straight week, Le'Veon Bell just went off. 35 carries, 134 yards 
also had 58 yards receiving. He didn't get into the end zone this week, but still a very productive week for Bell owners. Antonio Brown did get into the end zone. And then Juju Smith-Schuster, he caught another touchdown pass. Martavis Bryant, only one catch for three yards. I could see the ownership percentages shifting from, you know, Martavis Bryant, a big name in the beginning of the year, to perhaps Smith-Schuster coming on. Yeah, well, if you listen to the Wednesday uh, fantasy football beat, you would have uh, maybe already made that move, dropping Bryant for Smith-Schuster. Uh, he's getting more snaps. I mean, again, not a lot of not a lot of catches here, but Roethlisberger only threw the ball 24 times. I mean, uh, the Steelers kind of dominated, especially in the second half of this game, so he didn't really have to get that much done. And the team is just, I mean, talk about riding your superstars. Once again, Bell and Brown are just dominant performance in the offense. Le'Veon Bell, a massive 35 carries. I mean, he had 134 yards rushing, which you say, wow, that's really good, but it was only 3.8 yards per carry, but whatever. If he's going to get the ball 35 times, it just seems odd that they give him the ball so much when James Conner has looked pretty decent, and you just think how important Bell is to that team. I mean, I think you're tempting fate by playing him so much. Yeah, it wasn't until late with the game well in hand that we saw Conner. And for the Bengals coming off a bye, they looked out of sync offensively. Joe Mixon only 48 yards rushing. A.J. Green, who had that huge game a couple of weeks ago, limited to three catches for 41 yards. And the touchdowns in this one from Andy Dalton going to guys that are hardly owned, Brandon LaFell and Tyler Croft. Yeah, with Mixon, it's sort of a mixed bag here. Like in the previous few games since the, you know they went to Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator and he established Joe Mixon as clearly the top back there, Mixon had gotten a fair amount of touches sort of between 18 and 22, and he hadn't done a lot with them. In this game, he only had 10 touches. He had three catches, seven carries, as you mentioned. He turned them into a total of 68 yards, which is pretty good for 10 touches. But, yeah, why the lack of work? I don't know. The whole team, I mean, they just couldn't possess the ball. Andy Dalton was under assault in the second half. It was got so bad that toward the end of the game, he threw the ball away on fourth and three as the pass rushes were chasing after him. He said, I mean, Tony Rowan, Tony <laughs> Rowan called him out on the, on the telecast <laughs> for just giving up. But, you know, he was getting pummeled back there. At the StubHub Center, the Chargers shut out the Broncos, Denver's first shutout loss since November 1992. They had the longest streak in the NFL of scoring at least a few points. That ended today. And really, even with Los Angeles, not a lot of fantasy points in this one. Phillip Rivers had two passing touchdowns, including a long one to Travis Benjamin. But the other, the other passing touchdown, I love this line for Austin Eckler, running back. Four catches for six yards and a <laughs> yep. touchdown and 0% ownership probably. Yeah, absolutely. Although if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, I think he is the, the backup to own. You know, Brandon Oliver had looked like that guy for a while, but I think Eckler has superseded him. You know, it gives him a little bit of a charge. Melvin Gordon, again, like I keep talking about yeah. how inefficient Volume. he is as a running back. <laughs> I mean, good God. Yeah, if he's not catching a ton of passes or getting in the end zone, you, you, what do you get from him? Another bad outing. Although Denver, you know, had gotten trampled by Orleans Darkwood, but previous to that was extremely tough against the run. So I guess they reestablished that facet. Are you by low on Keenan Allen, who hasn't scored since week one and only had three catches for 41 yards today? Yeah, I, I do see him as a good by low. He came in this game a little bit gimpy, so that may have had something to do with his poor line, but he's seeing a ton of, I mean, his target share in that offense is huge. And I think, you know, obviously the Chargers are not going to be shutting out people too often, so I do like him as a by low. How about Demarius Thomas? two catches for nine yards for Denver. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was out. He was mm -hmm. going to be the guy, but Trevor Simeon could find nobody today. I know. And I mean, my God, are we going to see Brock Osweiler? Oh. <laughs> Can it be? <laughs> and what does that mean for Demarius Thomas? Ugh, I, I don't know. I mean, Thomas, you know, should be such a dominant factor, should have been a dominant factor, at least if, if, for whatever passing they did in this game. Now, he was chased around by Casey Hayward. You know, again, going back to the Wednesday podcast, uh, Mike Hume did point out this could be a tough outing for Demarius Thomas. So, yeah, I mean, any time a guy catches two, has two catches for nine yards, 
you know, he could be a buy low if he has a good track record. And Demaris Thomas certainly has terrific track record. But you have to be really worried about Trevor Simeon at this point. Two TDs and five interceptions total in his past four games. I mean, it's just not going to cut it in, 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 on any level. So we could see a changing in the guard there. The Seahawks beat the Giants 24-7, to overcoming a slow start. And it's pretty clear by now that Seattle's going to go as Russell Wilson goes. He had a huge game today, 334 yards and three passing touchdowns. Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls had 11 carries apiece but did hardly anything with them. A big game from Doug Baldwin. Jimmy Graham has caught one touchdown, dropped another. He's had a, He's been a mixed bag this year, but some good points today. Yeah, I mean, they certainly were delighted to see him get in the end zone because he, he blew a couple of opportunities earlier in the game but wound up with, especially for a tight end, a pretty good outing, 51 yards and, and a touchdown. You'll take that from a tight end anytime, especially if he's not named uh, Gronkowski. Like I said, Russell Wilson carried the show here, and I think that's what you're going to see the rest of the season. They're going to live or die on his arm because they can't run the ball. You know, we've spent so much time talking about the Saints' backfield, and for what? Like, why, why do we bother? Rawls had 11 carries for 36 yards. Lacey had 11 carries, 34 yards. Neither of them did anything through the air. I mean, it's just enough already with the, with the, with the Seahawks' backfield. I know I've been as guilty as anyone of continuing to obsess over, like, ooh, who's going to merge there? Like, what, what, if, what if Rawls, you know, finally can stay healthy? Well, it, maybe it just doesn't even matter, and we should just all move on. <laughs> Another guy that I know you've talked about was the lone bright spot, perhaps, for the Giants, the rookie tight end, Evan Ingram. Another big performance from him. Yeah, you know, and another guy I kind of whipped on in the preseason. I swear I got some stuff right, people, but um, I, you know, basically because rookie tight ends rarely do well, and and honestly, like a lot of my thought process of Ingram in the preseason was a lot of mouths to feed that offense. Like he's not going to be ahead of Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham, obviously for targets, and Sterling Shepard was still there, and Shane Vereen was still yeah. hanging around. I just thought, you know, he, he he's going to be inconsistent at best. But at this point, like. You know, he's about the most consistent tight end, again, this side of Gronk, because he's clearly the focal point of that passing attack. You know, he had 12 targets. That's a massive total for anybody. Only caught six of them, but that's fine. 60 yards and a touchdown. Roger Lewis did not do anything with his six targets or Travis Rudolph. I mean, you know, it, it's sparse out there. However, um, Sh- Sterling Shepard should be back after the break. The Giants go on a bye. After that, I think Shepard will be back. So we'll, you know, we'll we'll see if Shepard puts a dent a little bit in Ingram's workload at that point. Yeah, I saw a good note from ESPN after the game. His 53 targets through seven weeks is the most by a rookie tight end since 1992. So again, you can't predict. You know, can't fault you for this. You can't predict that <laughs> Thank Odell's going to be you, out. That Brandon Appreciate Marshall going to be out for the year. But he is clearly kind of all they have because that running game. I mean, Orleans Darkwell was great against the Broncos, but only 35 yards today. Yeah, I mean, kind of predictable because the Seahawks have been really tough against the run, and now you have a bye. But I think after coming out of the bye, there, there are a couple of better matchups for the Giants. So I think we'll see. What we did see, I think, was Darkwell also clearly the guy there and not so much Wayne Gallman. We saved the most stale and most exciting game of the week for last, the Raiders' thrilling 31-30 to win over the Chiefs on Thursday night. Des, a lot of fantasy points in this one. Amari Cooper, the biggest standout, with 11 catches for 210 yards and a pair of touchdowns. What stood out the most to you from this game? You mean besides Amari Cooper? Exactly, yes. Because <laughs> he clearly – right, okay. Um, I think what, what stood out for me – well, the other like big stat line was put up by uh, Tyreek Hill, although I, I maybe at the same token i got to say Alex Smith. I mean, he just continues to get it done. I mean, 342 yards passing, three touchdowns. It's been such a breakout season for him. It's showing no signs of slowing down. He's just really established himself as a mortal lock every week starter at quarterback. Tyreek Hill, I think, is sort of the guy – 
we thought he would be going into the season in the sense of he's very boom or bust. I think his booms have been frequent enough that he's, you know, you obviously have to start him. He's become a, an exceptional wide receiver, too. So kudos to anyone who drafted him with confidence in that round. I think there were some questions about could he handle the work, the, you know, a, a much bigger workload? Could he handle being the focus of passing attacks? So that seems to be going pretty well, and he's maintained all of his you know, danger downfield, you know, and, and Jared Cook had a pretty nice game too. We saw him almost score that touchdown right. at the end. He still had uh, seven catches uh, for a hundred or six catches, I think for 107 yards. Um, and he's, you know, he's a sneaky, kind of a sneaky guy in the, in the tight end spectrum. And Michael Crabtree had a down game, but you saw Carr make a point of getting the ball to him at the end there. And I think, I think, you know, that's going to happen a lot in the, in the end zone. So Carr maintains, or Crabtree maintains his value, I think for the rest of the season. The other big story from this game, Marshawn Lynch leaving the sideline, coming out, grabbing a referee. Of course, he was ejected from that game, and then we've learned that he's been suspended for week eight. Looking ahead for this maybe a one-week play, would you target Jalen Richard or DeAndre Washington, Des, or would you stay away? Of the two, I've always liked Richard better, so I would continue to like Richard. He did more with his touches. He had 45 yards receiving in addition to his 31 yards on the ground. Neither of them uh, rushed the ball very well. DeAndre Washington had nine carries for 33 yards, but only seven yards on, on three catches. Uh, Washington did get the goal line carry, which certainly counts for a lot. So if he's their preferred play near the goal line, maybe that swings in, things in his favor. But I, I would, in general, I would rather take the guy who I think has the bigger yardage upside than the guy that I think has the bigger touchdown upside, because I think yardage is a little bit more predictable. Looking ahead to waiver time, any final takeaways, words of advice from this low-scoring, odd, shutout-filled <laughs> week? Yeah, I mean, I, I already suggested maybe looking for Jordan Matthews off of waivers uh, because I think when he when he, he's almost back healthy now, and when he does when he is fully healthy, I, I can't see why he wouldn't be the top pass catching option, especially as long as Charles Clay is out, you know. And and then we're entering the first of two straight weeks with six teams off and a bye. These are the heaviest bye weeks, eight and nine coming up. The Cardinals, Packers, Jaguars, Rams, Giants, and Titans are all off this coming week. Sterling Shepard is a sneaky buy low candidate because I do think when he comes, because he's got the buy, so his own, if his owners are out there, he's done nothing for a couple weeks and now he's on a buy. His owners might be, might not think that his value is very high, but I think he'll be heavily targeted when he does come back. Well, there you have it. That'll do it for this week's show. A reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And you should check out all of our great fantasy football content throughout the week at WashingtonPost.com. And don't be afraid to reach out with questions on Twitter. I'm at Scott S. Allen. I'm at Des Beeler. Get those waiver claims in.